in today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. You know, the, the house of Allah is the house of Allah. Regardless of the, the stains that may be on it, regardless of the challenges, I mean, the, the Ummah of Muhammad wasallam was built in the masjid. And there, there has to be a quote-unquote, and I don't like to use these words, but a reclaiming of that space in the sense of this is where the Ummah really thrives, right? It's in the barakah and the blessings and the lights and the, the guidance that is to be found in that sacred sanctuary of the house of Allah. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. I'm Muhammad Salim from Iman Wire, joined here with uh, Mutasim Atiyah, and we have our guest today, uh, Sheikh Yasser Fami from the Islamic Society of Boston Cultural Center. I'd like to thank uh, Sheikh Yasser for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on with us. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Jazakumullah khair for having me. And good to see you again, Mutasim. Assalamu alaikum. It's a pleasure to be back. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, you know, this is going to be more of an informal conversation now that we were able to sit down with Sheikh Yasser, talk a little bit about, um, you know, the trajectory of his his uh, his path in the, the Islamic sciences and, and now in his role as an imam in a very a vibrant community in Boston, uh, one of which uh, uh, Sheikh Yasser, and you can maybe perhaps talk about this uh, later on in the show, has been researched by uh, such institutions as the ISPU about their specific uh, model of how they um, do their uh, masjid governance and uh, their outreach to the community. So, inshallah, we'd like to try to get into that. But I think let's sort of begin and, you know, Sheikh Yasser, for for uh, some of our listeners who may not be familiar yet with your work, maybe let's just get get into your life in terms of how how you came on the path you are in, in today in terms of your service to the community and, and your um, your path in Islamic knowledge. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khair. Um, well, my uh, my story begins in the great state of New Jersey. A great, oh, alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little contention yeah. there. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We got two New Jersey boys here. Okay? Exactly. You know, New Jersey gets a bad rap on the public scene, but uh, New Jersey is the Garden State. Allah, Allah, <laughs> and it is my home. Um, although the Bostonians don't like that too much, uh. so I'm I'm you know I'm dual dual citizen of of Boston and New Jersey. Were you raised as a Yankee? Or are you a Yankees fan? You know, you're not allowed to talk uh, sports in uh, mm. in Boston. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. That, you could, that, that could be a death warrant. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time I go to Boston, it's just the first thing I think is like, this is where the Red Sox yeah, are. Um, you know? But, but I, I always plead the fifth in Boston about any sports-related topics because <clears throat> there's a lot of... Um, well, sure, you're because you're an imam now, so you have to have that political have to, diplomacy, right? You have to be diplomatic right? and you have to kind of be open to, to all madahib. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so born and raised in New Jersey um, from Egyptian parents. My father came to the U.S. in, in, in the mid-60s, part of the, uh, the infamous brain drain from the Middle East and from uh, Asia and so on. And um, I grew up in, in northern New Jersey with, um, you know, for those of you who know it, it's a community that um, is, is really a kind of a bubble. I mean, the northern New Jersey Muslim community is a very insular community. You can grow up just doing everything Muslim, Muslim friends, Muslim, you know, you have your schools, your masajid, your restaurants, shops, everything. Um, and that was my upbringing. Um, I had basically a very strong Muslim network. Um, and, and, and however, it was, it was a little bit of a bubble. Um, and uh, that bubble was uh, thoroughly burst when my father chose to place my brother and I in a Catholic school. So we went to St. Peter's Preparatory 
Catholic school in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. That was a, just a, a whole new experience. Number one, I had to wear a suit every single day. <laughs> so that was uh, that was very new. Um, but on top of that, it was an all boys school. Um, so I was it was myself, my brother, and maybe one other Muslim in the sea of one thousand. Uh, Catholic boys. That's an interesting decision for your father to make. I mean, do you think he did so because he wanted to get you exposure that, hey, you're living in a country that's not all Muslim? You know, it's interesting. I mean, my father, my fa- it, it, I, we've spoken to him about this a lot. And I think his primary impetus was was one of education. My father really, you know, was keen on us getting quality education. And St. Peter's Prep was a, was a top school in New Jersey. So there's a whole process of interviews and, you know, they don't just accept anyone. Like they really went through a rigorous process of acceptance. So, you know, my father was keen on education. I mean, a, a number of my, my teachers were professors. So, uh, you know, when you're in prep school and for those who are familiar with prep schools, it's it's a, especially a Jesuit school. Jesuits are very big on education. I think that was probably my father's biggest impetus. Um, I don't know if he felt too concerned about those other elements because his opinion was, you know, you'll get exposed. <laughs> um, and it's it's actually, I mean, the reality is those types of bubbles are few and far between. I think there's a few bubble-oriented communities in the U.S., maybe northern New Jersey, maybe something in Michigan, a few other parts of the country. Um, so, yeah, when I, was in, when I was in Catholic school, basically, I was opened up to this whole new world um, uh, of, of, of how um, or, or of, of what it meant to actually be a Muslim. Because you just kind of grow up as a Muslim, you take it for granted, everything around you is Muslim. But suddenly I'm, I have all these, um, you know, non-Muslims telling me, well, what's your religion about? And and why do you guys do this? And why do you guys do that? Why do you believe this? And it was even different from a public school because, I mean, we were, you know, I had Bible study. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did Bible study. I would go to, you know, I'd have to go to church. Um, and... You know, Bible study was was so interesting to me. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it in the sense of just uh, there's this whole other world of exploring ideas and thoughts. And um, and then, you know, having to now now f- compelling me and forcing me to start think about my own religion, not just on the superficial level of, you know, Islam is peace, but to this level of like, what is your theology? And this yeah. is like what grade? I mean, did you really feel those challenges? I mean, this is almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, I was there for my entire high school career. So from ninth to 12th grade. So, um, you know, it was it was suddenly you're, you're, you're propelled into the space because it's a private school. It's not a public school. You know, so they're, they're not, you know, they're every morning there's the God's prayer on, you know, right, open. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was such an interesting experience to just be in that type of that type of reality. Um, but also they were very thoughtful about, about us being Muslims. And that's one thing I always appreciate about St. Peter's Prep. They were never, they, they were always very accommodating to us. So I remember, you know, needing to pray during Salat, you know, during Dhuhr, just lunch, during lunchtime. And um, the vice principal, Mr. Reedy, he would, uh, he would give us his office mm-hmm. to pray in, right, as a comfortable space. Um uh, we we start to realize okay we need to pray salt of juma. We were only three people now. You know, there's a whole other fiqh conversation mm-hmm. <laughs> about oh, the minimum numbers. <laughs> but we were three uh, Muslims, myself, my brother, and one other brother named by the name of Arif. And Subhanallah, they gave us a room B two twenty two. I remember until today, many years later. And my father would come in every single Friday and give us a khutbah. That's commitment. 
Oh, my father, mashallah, may Allah bless him and increase him. You met my father. You, uh, your father is an amazing individual. Did you do the do khutbahs there too as well? Is that the beginning of your speaking career? Because I, I'll know, tell you, Sheikh, because I had a very similar experience because I was in a, uh, in a school like that as well. We had uh -huh. a chapel uh -huh. and they assigned a space for us in the basement of the chapel. Um, so we actually, we also had a Juma mm -hmm. and we had to start to do our own um you know, do the Juma ourselves as well. And as you said, like, there's a lot of filthy <laughs> issues with that. But we didn't know. We were just a bunch of, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. high schoolers. Yeah. But that was the beginning for, you know, some of us in terms of our public speaking and yeah. how our first exposure to yeah. even doing something like that, you yeah. know. So it's very interesting because you had a very similar group there. You know, honestly, I can, in all of those years, I think my father gave 98, 90, he was just consistent. My father oh, came every week, and that that number grew. It grew from three to like seven to nine, um, and uh, and then you know a lot of some of the some classmates would come, some teachers would come. Have remember, you ever been back there to give the chutzpah yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have it there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening now. Either I don't know how many years ago. It's almost twenty years ago. But it, it's interesting because I think that uh, for a lot of us, um, myself included. We did have that similar experience where there was this openness yeah. amongst the faculty and the staff. Yeah. I felt very supported. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That uh, and this was, you know, we had to go to chapel, we had yeah. to go to certain events, like. Yeah. Um, but they were very accepting and supportive of our right to practice, and yeah, yeah, and they yeah. they would I, I would say they would even go above and beyond what I would expect them to do to try Absolutely. to accommodate us. Absolutely, I mean, that that was exactly my experience. Was that above and beyond to accommodate? I mean, to give us a room to pray Salat Juma, and not just that. It would be announced in the morning announcements to the mm, whole school. Wow. I mean, they would like in the morning on Friday morning. You know, it would it, they would say and Muslim prayer service in room B twenty two. You know, two twenty two. For more information, contact Yasser Fahmi. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and um, and then we started. We had a, we started a Muslim club, um, which was I mean, this is a hundred and thirty year old uh, high school. In its history, there was nothing. Of, of that orientation, but they, they allow us to start it. So there was, it was a very beautiful environment in that regard. But then, you know, in those spaces of Bible study, I found myself, you know, wanting to go learn more about the Quran and understanding deeper about our theology, especially in my senior year when, <clears throat> you know, they were, the entire year was committed to the Trinity and just processing and making sense of the Trinity. And and that's where I was really, you know, delving into this space of, you know, Allah and the oneness of God and, and why that must be the case. And you can't just speak polemics in those spaces because, number one, he was a professor and, you know, he was bringing all of his academic training into that space of, of communicating, you know, the logic behind the Trinity and why it's a logically, you know, possible reality. And, you know, that's stuff that you learn much later on, <laughs> you know, how to think about. The, the logical considerations beyond it just being polemical or just, you know, raw belief or faith without any conception of is this reasonable or not. Although the interesting thing is, was at the end of the year, um, I remember that we were sitting down like kind of like the last week of classes. And so he was telling the class, so what are your, what are your, what are you, how do you guys feel about the Trinity after this entire year? Every single one of the students without a shadow of a doubt said, we definitely don't understand it and we definitely cannot make sense of it. And I'll never forget this moment. He goes to them, well, I'll be honest with you guys as well. I don't really understand it that well, but you just have to believe it. And, and that to me, you know, it said something about just every day as I was 
growing in my own personal journey of you know discovering Islam because you know a lot of us those of us who are born and raised Muslim you know you just kind of take Islam for granted right but you never actually go and try to explore what this religion is and I think that's the that's a challenge for many Muslims today is just you know there's a lot of cultural articulations of Islam little cultural manifestations of Islam but understanding the depth of this religion and what the project of our ulama was is just non-existent in, in, in many of our circles. The minority of people really kind of process that depth. So Sheikh Yasser, at this time in high school, was your major Islamic education coming through your parents or were you doing some... Um, no, I I would. So basically, we had a local uh, sheikh um, who is still around in northern New Jersey, um, Sheikh Qatanani, and he a PhD from Jordan. And I would I would go to him. Um, basically, I would tell him I just I went to him like many of you know people do. I say I want to become a sheikh. I, I just want to learn this religion. And he would just his first thing, and this I'll, you know this was the probably the best thing that anyone ever taught me to do. He just told me start reading. Right. Use whatever basic qualifications you have to read, have a dictionary and have a notebook. And I, I, I remember I would just sit there and I would read these texts and I could barely understand five to 10 percent of it. But with a dictionary, you know, it was like like stories of the prophets and all these kind of just um, basic texts that are written in prose. It's nothing that's academic, you know, fusha Arabic language. Um, but I, I just had a notebook full of terms, terms, terms. And the ones I didn't understand, I'd go talk to him. And, and with him, I was learning some of the basics of fiqh and aqidah, and he had some of these classes. Um, I was, I was um, doing my, my, my hiv with uh, uh, a sheikh who actually currently is in Dallas, uh, Sheikh Ramadan. May Allah be pleased with him. So he was there in Jersey City, just came from Egypt. You know, he, was, he had a small little room in, in the top of the masjid in Jersey City. So I used to I, actually go pray tarawih behind him a few times coming from upstate New York. Really? Yeah. yeah. Because I heard his voice on a tape once. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, beautiful. I, and, he's just a, and he's also, mashallah, just a humble, beautiful soul. Right. I mean, very yeah, soft, very tender. So after school, because I was, you know, I lived around like maybe 30 minutes away from school. Um, spend maybe like an hour after school with him. So it, it was really in that point. And then another thing that really propelled me into the space of just, you know what, I really want to do this was... Um, my junior year, my father, my father, Michelle does etikaf every single year. So my father said, you know, it's Christmas break. Um, you know, etikaf and, 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 and Christmas break were at the same kind of coincided. So he's like, you know, he, he kind of um, gave me a quote unquote option. <laughs> it wasn't a real one. But he basically informed me I'll be making etikaf with him. And back then, this was just for, for, for young people to do was just not right. really. I mean, no one. I was there by myself with all these older amus and uncles doing etikaf. Now, if you go to the same masjid, the last 10 nights of them is just, you know, a frenzy of young people there, whatever. But back then, it was literally by myself. And it was 10 days of lack of sleep, you know, just ibadah. And then I was like the little servant running around, you know, picking this up, cleaning that, helping this, whatever. And I remember leaving those 10 nights of Ramadan and just thinking to myself, that was the best experience I've ever had in my life. I, 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 I felt this halawa of iman, the sweetness of, of iman. And, and, and it was a continental shift in my life. My, and, I, and, I'm, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless 
my father and you know we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you know using my father to facilitate that but that experience although it was so physically enduring and it was tiring and you know I just felt like I needed to bathe in you know Clorox for <laughs> for a week afterwards but it was just this feeling and sensation that you know, and, and I've heard many uh, converts mention this. They'll say there's always that thing that you're trying to get back to from the beginning of your conversion. Mm, right. I've yeah. heard people like Hamza Yusuf talk about Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and, you know, Imam Suhaib and others. And, and, and for me, you know, that's it's similar in that regard. Like I'm always trying to get back to that moment 20 years, you know, when I was in junior, uh, junior high school of that atikaf, that post-atikaf moment. It's like this high that, that I tasted and I'm like, you know, I want that again, subhanAllah. So how did you how did you get from there to entering Al Azhar? I mean it's 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 a long story, but I'll I'll try to be very brief about it. I mean I basically after high school I took my I took my, you know, SATs if you're on the East Coast, you know, you know SATs if you're in other places, you have your other standardized tests. But I took my SATs, I applied Are to all the schools. Are you going to tell us your SAT score, Sheikh Yasser? I no, mean, I'm not, I'm not doesn't mean anything because the no, scores are different now, right? There's a different scoring. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it is a different scoring. I, I, I got, I got a 1350 out of yeah, so. I will not share my. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was. Uh, now it's like 2400 or something. Something like that. Something but they keep like on going back and forth yeah, about okay. it, right? Anyway, so I, I graduated uh, I, and I, I did my apply to all the schools I want to apply to and everything. But then my heart was really, I want to go study. And, um, you know, Sheikh Tatnani is Jordanian, so he was like, you know what, I think you should go to Jordan. And all these other, you know, Amuls from the community were saying, what are you talking about? You know, you're Egyptian. <laughs> Egyptian goes to, you go to Al-Azhar, it's just, it's meant to be, you know. And, um, and, and but I was very taken by Sheikh Tatnani, and, I'm, and I'm, I love him until today. He, I have so much, he has so much fadla alayya in terms of like what he's done for me. And uh, I really regard him in that, in that space. Um, so I went to Jordan. That was that's what I decided to do. I went to the University of Jordan right out of high school, to, and I, you know, entered into College of Sharia, and I was there, and it was just a shock to my system uh, in the sense of coming from you know this community where you're surrounded by all these people that love you, friends, family, community, this, that, whatever, and then suddenly I'm like plopped in Jordan. I'm you know all I can hear is crickets at night by yourself, mm -hmm. but completely by myself, and. Um, and it was a challenge for me. It was a challenge for me to to, to kind of navigate the, the Jordan space of of just talabul ilm. It wasn't it wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy journey. I know people, mashallah, a lot of wonderful people have been to Jordan. They spent, you know, ten years. So Sheikh Suhail Hani from from the UK, wonderful brother, mashallah, spent you know 10, 12 years in Jordan, um, and others, mashallah. So, but but for me. At that point in time, it wasn't you know the great the great the greatest circumstance for me. So anyway, long story short, I I benefited a lot from Jordan. I, I did a lot of my basic training in usul and lugha and fiqh and aqidah there in Jordan, and so I I, I got the benefits of the basic texts, um, especially one sheikh Sheikh Usama Nimr may Allah be pleased with him. He he really dedicated a lot of time to me. One of the reasons I actually left Jordan was because he had to go back to Sudan to finish his PhD. And when he left, I felt like it was barren land at that point. Um, I, I moved back to, uh, so I, at that point, I kind of, I told my father, listen, I want to make a shift to Al-Azhar. You know, even the students here are telling me like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, I remember these like students in, in, in the university, like you, you're Egyptian, you're, you know, your parents are Egyptian, go to Egypt, you know, go to Al-Azhar. 
So my father's like, you know, okay. I went back to the U.S., consulted with a lot of my mentors, and they basically said to me, listen, you know, if you're going to have a future in this country, in the, the world of sheikhdom and dawah and, and, and the imamate, um, you should really consider getting an undergrad from the U.S. Because at that time, this idea of being a young person going out to study, it just wasn't really around. You know, there I think I knew of like maybe few people who were studying overseas across the country that I'd heard of. Um, so I, um, I, I, I was like, okay, you know, let me get a degree. I, and I was like, let me get the most practical possible degree, like something that's just like, so I jumped into Rutgers Business School. And I got a degree in, in, in management and finance. I was like, okay, that's a practical thing. You can fall back, fall back on, and, you know, anything happens. And then between, you know, graduation and the Azhar entrance exam was like six months. So, you know, I was like, okay, my father's like, you know, why don't you just get a job, you know, um, uh, save some money in these six months. <laughs> Long story short, that ended up being uh, a three and a half year stint mm. in a venture capitalist firm in Midtown huh. Manhattan. <laughs> interesting, very interesting. So I worked, uh, I worked in venture capital for 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 a number of years. So I'm, that was a you know uh, a previous life. <laughs> but um, after a, a, you know a number of things and, and that kind of so I so I got my degree, went into finance, and then I walked into my boss. After six months of like istikhara and, and thought, I, I was, just, I, I really, my heart was pulling just, I was living in two worlds. Right. I remember I would sit in my, my cubicle with these, you know, Bo, Bose uh, noise cancellation headphones. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, transformed myself into another realm, mm-hmm. listening to durus, listening to Quran and stuff and just doing my work like a machine. Mm-hmm. So I walked into him one day, I said, listen, you know, I, uh, I gotta go. He's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to Egypt. <laughs> I was like, listen, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta go. He's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to study Islam and Arabic in uh, in the Middle East. He looked at me. He's like, okay, I'm not sure what kind of crisis you're going through. <laughs> but uh, but he said he said to me, I'm gonna leave your position open for a year. Wow. Hmm. Go go explore yourself. You know, he thought I was in one of those positions where right. I'm kind of trying to find who I am. But I knew, like I already tasted I'd been to Jordan and I knew exactly in all those years from Jordan and through college and through my career in finance I was you know I was talabul I was just seeking knowledge and studying and so I, I knew exactly where I wanted to be which was a, which was for me a huge liberation because I know in, in for a lot of young people you know not knowing what you want to do is is a big uh, you know anxiety ridden point in, in one's life but at that point I was clear this is what you know and and subhanallah quitting my job that day was one of the happiest days of my life mm-hmm. until today subhanallah you know what's interesting is, is I'm hearing you recount your story Sheikh Yasser of your path to knowledge you know many people think that as soon as they decide they're going to take the path to knowledge then the the roads are going to line themselves with gold and the flowers <laughs> are going to bloom around yeah. them and everything's going to yeah. be easy but yeah. there's clearly challenges that you faced oh many subhanallah and it also it didn't seem like it was just a linear path no, not at all. No, not at all. I mean, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was really ha- studying locally and exhausting. And I tell this to people all the time. And you have to prove to yourself that this is what you're going to actually do. This is, you have to prove to yourself this is what you're made out to do. Because it's a nice idea. It's a very romantic idea. Right. But definitely, you know, if, 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 if you can't prove to yourself that this is what you're made out to do, 
you're going to fumble at some point in the pathway. And also, Sheikh Yasser, I mean, I, I know we're going through different parts of the story. I mean, nowadays with social media, you know, we've got this glamorized view of the Sheikh on the microphone with lots of followers on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you know, also, why are we studying? You know, what's the why are we doing this? Are we doing this just to come back to a crowd and, and be famous? I think that's something that a lot of people also um, it's a challenge that a lot of people have. And one thing I find very interesting about you, you know, subhanAllah, in, in, in the time that we live in, you, you don't really have a social media presence. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that something that you purposely have done, or I mean, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of my quote unquote social media presence, I, I mean, I'm I. I, I I made a personal decision that um, I wouldn't, you know, the, the ulama they have this um, they have this uh, principle. It's called al hukmu ala shay' farun an tasawurihi. That to judge a pr- particular matter is simply an extension of your conceptualization of that issue. To what to what extent you actually understand this thing. And 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 this is my opinion, and and you know this is all realm of in my opinion this is all ijtihad in the sense of like what is good, what is not, what is right, what is wrong. It's it, it's 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 ijtihadi. Sure. You know we're just we're trying to figure things out. No right. one no one has the right answers, and I I think we have to be very careful to say like oh my way is the right way or you know your way is the wrong way that kind of thing. I I found individuals personally who've taken those sort of absolute positions to be really a, a, a problem, a spiritual problem. Yeah, I mean... Because we are all trying to figure things out. It precisely, and, and that that for me, and so my, my treatment of social media is precisely that. It's right. my personal perspective on it and how I think about it. I mean, so my, basically my perspective is this. I, 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 it's, a, it's a medium that is very productive, quote-unquote, in the pure social theory sense. And by that, I mean... If if you know it it can come to dictate a lot about how I think, how I feel, how I express, you know if if I'm if I'm stressing over you know I need to share this or I need to share that or I need to you know boil things down into these very small hundred and twenty or forty character things like th- this kind of paradigm, it, it can be very impactful right in a in a negative way on the way in which we process information right. And and so I've I've always been of the opinion that if that is a space that I need to be in, and by need I mean like really need to, and there is this clear like undeniable need that you know you have to be in this space, then perhaps I may consider a meaningful way of engagement. I have yet to find a need for me personally to be in that space, and that doesn't negate the fact that other people who are in there you know, are needed. I mean, I think there are people who are doing productive things in the space of social media and that their presence is impactful and meaningful. It's just for me, I have not found that quote unquote path of meaning, if that makes sense. You know, what's interesting about what you're saying. I remember once I was sitting with Sheikh Mukhtar and I was asking him about something, you know, when, when should I weigh my opinion into a matter? When should I interject myself into something that I feel is sort of going sideways? And he said to me, he said, uh, the fact that you want to enter yourself into a dialogue is in reality a problem within your nafs. It's a spiritual nafs, a deficiency. He goes, if Allah wanted you there, he'd put you there. And if he puts you there, then you respond. I think that's also why, you know, I've I've heard from, you know, several, uh, you know, students of knowledge and and, and shiuch that uh, when they came back, uh, that they were either they were either instructed by their teachers or um, by their confidence that, you know, don't speak for X amount of 
years, you know, publicly, you know, just come and, you know, just absorb where you are now because you have, you can't just immediately go out and just start speaking because that's going to be your, that, that, that nafsani drive that like, okay, I've got, I've got this knowledge under my belt and now it's time to like change the world. Right. But you have to sort of be able to step back and sort of hold back that impulse and, there's a, there's a benefit that comes from just sitting and listening. Being measured. And, and, yeah, right, exactly. And I don't know if that was some of your experience coming you back know, to Yasser. So but... in, in my – I mean I, I spent eight years in Egypt. So after my, my corporate stint, I, I went to Egypt and I you know, uh, went to Al-Azhar. And, 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 and really my eight years in Egypt were, were, were as you were mentioning earlier, they were not a linear path. I mean, <laughs> you know, going there – it, it, you know, you, you some very, very often we think, okay, we're going to go there, and then there's going to be this beautiful oasis, and you're going to sit under a tree, and then you know, knowledge clouds are going to come and just you know shower <laughs> you, and you're going to be you're going to just through osmosis, you're going to take in all the <laughs> the nur and the anwar and the lights of the awliya. But no, it was definitely a, a, a different uh, journey, especially in Cairo. A lot of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, but also in my my years there. I, 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 I felt that social media for me at that point would have been a tremendous distraction mm-hmm. because, you know, when you, when you go into this ocean, you realize, okay, you know, I have to, I have to be in this space and I just have to really focus on my form, my swim, just need to collect as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and that's why what you were saying earlier was that, you know, th- there should be no impulse to produce or share at that point, right? right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is what all of our ulama have, have taught. I mean, until today, in, in some of the madaris, especially in Mauritania, like, you know, you're studying from 10, from the age of 10 to the age of 40, and you're not allowed to, like, produce, speak, write, or et cetera, until after the age of 40. Mm-hmm. And and there's a hikmah in that. There's a wisdom in that. Because, you know, uh, Imam al-Ghazali says regularly in, in his books of, of, of uh, Talab and Tazki and so on, spirituality and seeking you know he said until the piece of information is really complete in your mind right you can't just put it out there Mm. and and i think many of us have experienced this in our own lives how you know you jump the gun and then you're constantly retracting jump the gun constantly retracting oh i regret that i did that oh i shouldn't have put that out oh why did i do that okay then someone gives you a call go delete that you go delete you know that kind of world that i know a lot of people live in so I, for me, that whole realm of social media, to me, was going to be very distracting to what I was trying to do. Right? And that's why I just wanted to keep my head down and focused. Mm-hmm. But that concern of like needing to share, that you know, that drive, that impulse, like I need to share this, uh, is it, you know, we we have one human mind and we have a psychology, and that psychology can be distracted, right? And and these internal states that we have, these uh, org, these you know. Um, uh, Things that Allah has given us to process the qalb and the, the mind. I mean, if they're full, if they're distracted, they will be distracted. If it's 10%, 20%, 30%, 50%, that's the percentage of distraction that will be present. So in my mind, social media was just at that point a distraction for me. Mm-hmm. And even coming back, it wasn't about sharing or not sharing. I just still didn't feel that that is something that I, I wanted to be on, right? And and I've because I've always said, I mean, mashallah, there's so many wonderful uh, brothers and sisters who are quote unquote holding down the fort right. <laughs> in the sense of, you know, in those spaces, right. sharing wonderful things, sharing beautiful articles, um, you know, g- giving beautiful commentary and comments on, on on major issues. You know, there's a lot that we, we're still working on, but I don't feel the urgency of me 
putting my voice into that uh, domain right. at this point. And in, 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 in well, I think my it's interesting you say that because um, because one of the the things that you're really involved right now is in your community, like yes. on the ground, yeah. which I feel that. You know, with a lot of the social media, and I, 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 this is not to say anything about the social media realm, and there's a there's a there's a space for that, and there's a lot of benefit for the people who are really engaged in social media and what they're doing um, in that realm. But there's also, I think, sometimes we neglect that that getting too much into the social media side of things that we forget that our own community right at our you know at our door. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting hearing you speak about that because you know we'll get into this, but. You know your work at uh, right now in Boston is yeah. really heavily invested in being on the ground in the streets, basically yeah. uh, working in the local community, not just the Muslim community, but the, yeah. the broader community in Boston. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean that that that's also I mean a part of my my personal belief is that you know we have to be on the ground um, and 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 in the masjid. And I know that there has been a lot of pains and struggles and challenges. In the realm of the masajid, whether it's you know bad governance, you know t- sometimes very toxic cultures, uh, very politically driven cultures in masajid, uh, not feeling very welcoming, and those are those are real challenges for a lot of people, and I don't I don't deny that for a moment. Um, but my concern was about this idea of a, like a, almost a mass exodus from masajid. Um, whether by choice or whether forced, regardless, but this idea that, okay, masajid are a nuisance, masajid are a problem. Um, and so we, we go establish our own other thing or do our own other thing. And, and while factoring in absolute, cause I know of real abuses. I have colleagues who, who've gone through very difficult circumstances as a imma, um, in, in some of their local masajid and it's, and it can be very ugly and, and abusive at times. Um, but um, I remember I was I was visiting a group of students in one of the countries. Let me just keep it as ambiguous as possible. <laughs> I was in a country, and then one of the local students like, "Oh, can I gather some of the students of knowledge and we sit down and talk?" It's like, sure. And these were all, you know, they just started their studies, like a year in, two years in, stuff like that. And all of them were just knocking masajid. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no way we're going to go back to Masajid and we're going to, you know, these Masajid are just toxic and we're going to, you know, figure our own thing, online platform, um, you know, seminary or uh, just do the the traveling gig or do, do something along those lines. And in my mind, I was like, this is not a healthy development. Right. You know, the, the house of Allah is the house of Allah, regardless of the, the stains that may be on it, regardless of the challenges. I mean, the, the Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was built in the Masjid. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there, there has to be a, 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 a quote unquote, and I don't like to use these words, but a reclaiming of that space in the sense of this is where the ummah really thrives, right? It's in the barakah and the blessings and the lights and the, the guidance that is to be found in that sacred sanctuary of the house of Allah, regardless of the name that's on the, the outside of the space. This is a house of Allah. There, there was a, a waqf, an endowment to make this. A prayer space and and to receive the multiplied reward and 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 we have multiple ahadith that just speak about the virtue of the masjid and to see that you know um, the prophet established first and foremost when he rested in Quba for just three to seven days he the first thing he did was build a masjid when he landed in Medina just three kilometers away okay three kilometers away the first thing he did was build the masjid in Nabawi and 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 so you know there's a there's a there's a deep in, in my humble estimation, there's a deep 
philosophical flaw or problem when we when we when we can imagine ourselves outside of masajid and by ourselves i mean as muslims and once again that is factoring in that there are abuses and there are you know bad practices and 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 it can be very um toxic at times and i i i know this for a fact um but th that doesn't mean that we say okay you know we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we have to figure something else out <laughs> that's really interesting because yeah. one of the things that you know when we talk about this unmasked phenomenon um, you know, we really think of it in terms of like youth who are being disillusioned by from from the masajid or from the masjid politics. But uh, you know, going to the story that you're talking about, where a group of students were saying they would never go to the masjid, uh, there's also sort of an unmasked phenomenon of, for some of the the the, the students and knowledge, right? Because because they don't want to deal with that masjid politics, exactly. and there's, so there's, there's almost like this. Uh, it's almost understood that like you you don't want to get in this position because you don't want to deal with these boards yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So it's almost like it's hard to believe but there's almost an unmasked phenomenon amongst a lot of yeah. teachers even because they and so oh, they want to go out yeah. and then just start their own organization or so whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah, yeah. and um so it's, it's interesting on both ends of yeah. the spectrum you got the top yeah. you know the 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 the, the imams and then you have you know the the, the lay members. people the young yeah, people yeah, and, yeah. and then in, in the middle all you have is just like these what uncles in the masjid and their boards that's everybody's yeah. just against them it seems like you know no and and listen i i completely understand uh, why why those developments happened you know i i i very often sit with masjid boards which has become kind of uh something that I do when I travel <laughs> and because people they, they think about oh you know mashallah you guys are doing something in Boston that looks interesting um, you guys are doing something in Boston that looks interesting you know what are you guys doing exactly and and so you know after my conversations with some of these masajid boards in different uh, states in the country I tell them very bluntly I said listen you have to appreciate the developments that are happening Right now, a lot of the young shiuch that are coming back, or who are back, and especially those who are American-born, um, and, and, and those who grew up in America, whether they're American-born or not, they're basically saying, we don't have to succumb to these uh, abuses or bad environments. And if, if you're not going to treat us well, you know, it doesn't mean that shiuch are innocent and AMR are just you know, infallible. No, <laughs> you know, we, we're all humans and we all have our, our positives and our negatives. But, you know, it's almost as if the marketplace, if you will, I don't, use, I don't want to use that language, but will force upon all parties to say things have to change, right? Because the standard governance of our spaces, um, whether we like, because right now what's happening is you have a sheikh who comes in and if, 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 they're don't, if they're not happy and they're not comfortable and they feel hurt or they feel, you know, undermined, they just leave, you know, which was not the case uh, in our recent history. Where, you know, shiuch didn't yeah, have that stuck. much f freedom or agency to say, oh, I can just get up and go because very often my, my paperwork was attached to this masjid or, you know, I, I, I don't really have that many options. And these people brought me in and I, I don't have, you know, whatever. To, to but, but a lot of the, 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 the newer, quote unquote, generation, they're saying we don't have to succumb to that. But Sheikh Yasser, I, I feel like our generation, the newer generation, at times we're, we're very thin skinned. Uh -huh. Like one little thing happen, happens in the masjid and all of a sudden I'm ready to walk away from here. I yeah. mean, you know, come on. I mean, every situation, every situation is different. And I think it's, it's important that we, we, we give that context and we give people, you know, because I, I agree with you in some cases that is the reality. I mean, the, the Gen X, Gen Y, you yeah. know, Gen Z kind mm -hmm. of reality yeah. of, 
of, of not, not being able to tolerate much, uh, being kind of self-centered, um, being a little bit spoiled. I mean, that's, that, that, that afflicts many, many people across the board, whether you're quote-unquote sheikh imam or whether you're a layperson, um, quote-unquote layperson, <laughs> you know, you're from the community. Um, but but it, you, you kind of have to embrace the nuance of what's happening in, in these spaces. And, and I think that, you know, a, as there is this challenge uh, with regards to masajid, you know, and, and how people perceive masajid, there, there has to be now a, a movement um, of, of saying, no, these masajid, they are very relevant spaces. Um, and, and there has to be an imma and shiuch who will say, we are committed to making sure that these masajid are vibrant spaces, that are engaging spaces, that are welcoming spaces, that you can, you can find um, not only the richness of, of, of spirituality that comes by being in the house of Allah, but you can also gain beneficial knowledge, right? Meaning that you can, you, you'll, you'll learn the text, so you'll learn your fiqh and your tafsir and your hadith, but at the same time, you're really, you're, you're really able to, to learn contextual knowledge, that there is a world that we're living in. You know, if, I, if, if the, the people who are coming into my masjid are, are coming, especially in Boston, for example, are coming from Harvard and MIT and Northeastern and all these universities around me. Then I have people flying in from all sorts of you know places in the world. I have the, the the medical center, which is you know two minutes away from the masjid, and I have, and then I have you know um, people who are who are taxi drivers and Uber drivers, and, and I have a whole spectrum. I have people who are refugees, people who are American-born, people who are from all across the world. The context matters, right? And, and our ulama have always negotiated text and context and harmonized them in the most profound ways. And so you, you, the masjid has to be a space, right, of where you can you can gain that spirituality, but you can gain that knowledge of text and context, right? That you, that, that there is a messaging that makes sense, that lays credence to what our ulama have done for 1,400 years because they have done something truly profound and remarkable. We have to stand on their shoulders see what their project was and 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 then you know progress from there you know from n not undermining them undercutting them but standing on their shoulders and saying okay how then do i take that project and and, and view my present moment through that lens mm -hmm. and i think that that's a reality that has to play out in the masjid right? right that's what i'm saying is that this is people think that this is only a conversation that can be had in an alternate space or in an academic space no the masjid must be that space, right? And as well as the masjid being a focal point for, for community, right? We, we need each other. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, there's so much loneliness. There's so much um, uh, anxiety of just being alone and not having friends or family or, or, or spouse. Or, and, 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 and our masjid must become spaces of community where people can come and, and just find warmth, find a, a nice you know meal with with a friend or a family member or, or etc do you think it's a problem that we sort of romanticize just in general our lives like this this concept of perfection because i think a lot of our issues concept of what? our concept of perfection okay. in, in the terms what i mean by that is that you know whether it's someone's personal relationship whether it's their marriage or a friendship or whether it's their job or whether it's um there must for example, that you 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 have this idea that I want this to be perfect. Yeah. So anytime there's any challenge, there's any issue that goes on in that relationship, yeah. whether yeah. it's personal relationship or in the masjid, you're just ready like oh, I'm just going to walk out. This is not good. I'm not going to deal yeah. with it. Yeah. But yeah. the world doesn't 
work that way. There's going to be yeah, issues in the community. It, so it, is it that we... It's so interesting that you say that. I mean, you know, the, the, what, what modern philosophers or even postmodern philosophers will have us think is that pain is inherently bad and you're supposed to run away from pain. And the fact of the matter is that pain is essential in life. Pain is an essential part of growth. You must experience pain to grow. We are a very young community, right? Yes, Muslims have been in these lands since, quote unquote, day one or before day one, right? Um, you know, depending on your, your historical look on these things. But definitely with, with the, the slave trade, yes, you have Muslims in these lands for centuries. But with that said, you know, in terms of currently the Muslim community in this country, our institutionalization, our institutional strength, organization of money, um, our, 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 our ability to work together, to, to have umbrella organizations that really are representative, to have strong local institutions, to, to have social institutions that are taking care of a lot of the social needs, the political engagement. It's all of that. We are so young and we are underdeveloped. And that's not an inherent problem. I mean, people think, people look and say, oh, Muslims are failures. No, we're, <laughs> you know, we have, to, we have to take it easy. Number one, there, are, there is such a concept of growing pains. And yes, it's going to be a very painful process of growth. And, and, and as collectively as Muslims, we're going to have to get some grit, right? Roll up our sleeves and say, I'm, I'm committed to the hard work of doing what it takes to strengthen our institutions. But to become, you know, the absolute deconstructionists, you know, sitting here and just deconstructing everything everyone is doing all the time, whether you're on the local level or whether you're on the national level, right? You know, uh, there's just, there's a lot of nuance. And once again, I go back to what I said in the beginning, no one has it figured out. Mm -hmm. And unless we're going to say, you know what, how can we really, do we need a national presence? We definitely need a strong national presence. Do we need strong local presence? We absolutely need strong local presence, right? It's not one or the other, but it's, it's how do we actually think about this meaningfully, strategically, and with humility, right? Because once arrogance comes into this, and it's the Anna, it's I am, I am, I am the solution, I have it figured out, that's when we are, we, we, even to the outside world, I mean, right. internally, it's a spiritual problem, it's a disease, and it's a, it's a recipe for failure, on, in, depend, regardless of your institution or business or whatever. But even outside, who, no one has it figured out, yeah. right? And so, you know, I, I think that, I mean, my, you know, just wrapping up this, this, this idea of the masjid and why I've chosen to kind of commit myself to a masjid, alhamdulillah, I, 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 I am blessed with, with a very good community, um, with, a, with a very supportive institution. Um, you know, my, myself and our executive director, Yusuf Ivali, you know, alhamdulillah, we, we were able to, to do a lot of the work that we want to do and, and just think creatively and build and construct and have a very supportive team. All this bifadlillahi ta'ala. And this is may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yudima alayhim, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, preserve our blessings for us. Um, but, you know, if, if you have a space that you can work and you can do good work and you can keep your head down and, and just focus because... You know, the, our local institutions, in my humble estimation, they are going to be the future of Islam in this country, right? And every single locale needs a strong local institution. That's that's a space of spirituality, a space of serious learning, a space of real community, and a space of service, right? Of, of engagement with, you know, social work and relieving people of the pains that they're they're facing, right? And that's what 
in our masjid, we, we call the four prophetic spheres, right? So our, 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 our philosophy is this idea of living prophetically and living through the four prophetic spheres of, of knowledge, of spirituality, of community and service. And that's, that, that's you know, and, and we're, we're, we are also in the R&D phase, if you will, meaning that we're always looking for, for feedback. We're always looking for analysis. That's why you mentioned the ISPU study, you know, the ISPU study. Um, you know, that, that, that's just an attempt for, for, for an institution, a third-party institution to come and say, okay, what did you guys do in this process of governance? Like the bringing on a new imam. How did you do it? What did you do? What was your processing? What was your thought process? Right, because they thought it looked really interesting. And for us, it was an opportunity for people to analyze, right, the effectiveness of our work the veracity of our work, et cetera. So, you know, we're, we're constantly looking for this type of healthy conversation, good critical analysis, and, and recognizing that we, there's a lot of, of, of room for growth. But I, my, my hope is that, you know, people are encouraged to say, you know what, um, I, I can stay local. I, I, I want to try to stay local. I want to try to build my local institutions. And because I say this all the time, alhamdulillah, we have wonderful brothers and sisters on the national scene who are holding down the fort, right? They're saying all the right things. They're saying a lot of the things that need to be said. You know, there's really not that much need for more national voices. What there's actually need for is local presence. Um, and uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us to, to figure this out meaningfully, to have good, healthy shura, to talk to each other, you know, with, with respect with humility, um, you know, and we appreciate, if you have feedback for us, you have advice at the ISBCC, go on our website and, you know, message us and tell us what you think. Um, and and, and we're, we want conversations. You know, we, we alhamdulillah, you know, and Medina has been um, a, a very natural and beautiful ally in this work for us. You know, we've benefited so much from our relationship with Ustaz Maltasim and, and Sheikh Mukhtar and, and the wonderful team at Al Medina, who who there's just so much like <laughs> like mindedness and how we're thinking about what the work needs to be, right? And where the the direction that in the work, you know we we want to take things. So may Allah help us to to just build out those networks and make it stronger for the for the, for His sake. You know we hope and pray that every single thing that we do as we have a breath within us is fi sabirillah is in the way of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and that He's pleased with us and that He forgives our shortcomings. Um, uh, and they are many. <laughs> so may Allah help us. So, I mean, it sounds like one of the core concepts or, that, or principles that you would, in your giving advice to people, whether they're trying to engage in the masjid or people who are already in the masjid and say the masjid governance is, is humility, correct? I mean, if you were to give uh, some you know final points of practical advice to, number one, those uh, individuals who are trying to engage the masjid, but they've become frustrated dealing yeah. in that space. Yeah. And then also to those people who are in the space who are running the affairs of the masjid. What, what are the type of, you know, a few points of, of advice that you could you would give them? Uh, um, in number, number one, two, three, and ten is humility, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, humility, humility, humility. Um, but number two, after humility, is, is know-how and knowledge. Study, learn. Um, understand that there's so much to learn out there. Uh, you know, we can learn so much from, from real institution building from our Christian brothers and sisters and our Jewish brothers and sisters. They've done remarkable things in terms of institution building. 
so there's there's and there's a lot of material <laughs> to study in terms of how do you build I mean you you may br you may be brilliant in your particular field as a lawyer or an engineer or something that does not translate necessarily into brilliance <laughs> in masjid governance or management or you know so even if you're going to put yourself in the position of of being elected into a board make sure that you are you're continuously studying and learning so you know humility learning number 3 i would just say this cuz i know we need to close is hard work and commitment you know everyone's voice bring it but bring it with those two things first <laughs> you know right. bring your voice with humility and with knowledge it's not about you know this idea of nihilistic leveling and everyone's just everyone can say whatever they want all the time and all means equally the same things that's just that's not realistic. You go into any space, you go into any career, there's always going to be people who know more than you, right? right? And the people who are actually experts and those who are just laymen and thinking, uh, laymen and laywomen. But, you know, but, but, but be committed, right? And, and yes, there may be some, some bruises on the way and it may be painful and may be hurtful. Um, but young people should become active members in their communities. And by that, I mean like registered paying members in their masajid, in their institutions, and saying this is the direction that we want things to go in, right? Don't don't just throw your hands up, right? I'm not saying that everyone who's left has thrown their hands up per se, but be engaged, you know, put your, your back into it. And 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 if you can meet if we can meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that state, that is a very beautiful thing. Because Allah, He commanded the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the beginning of Revelation, يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُزَّمَّلِ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمُدَّثِّرْ O oh, you who is cloaked, O oh, you who is covered, stand up. And the Prophet ﷺ stood up and he struggled every single day. And that must become the ethos of every single one of us. That we're, we're up, we're, we're, we're purifying ourselves spiritually, we're engaged in our ibadat, we're, we're working on our states, we're, we're, we're trying to become intellectually excellent, but we are engaged and moving forward. So may Allah help us to, to realize those um, essential factors in our lives Alhamdulillah thanks uh, thank you to uh, Sheikh Yasser Barakallah for uh, taking your time on a very busy schedule um, to come here and, and uh, for having me here so uh, for, for those interested in, in Sheikh Yasser's work uh, uh, you know, he's uh, the Imam at the Islamic Society of Boston Cultural Center so if you're ever in Boston better be sure to yes, check absolutely. them out we, we and, love, uh, and Sheikh Yasser also <laughs> is all, you'll see him on you know certain platforms and other um, areas as well. I want to thank again the listeners and of course Batasim as well for coming and joining oh me on God. the podcast. Uh, thanks again. Uh, you can visit imanwire.com for the latest articles and podcast episodes. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes. Uh, give us your feedback. Uh, send us uh, uh, at our email imanwire at almadinainstitute.org or tweet at, at us at imanwired. And we hope to see you again. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.